This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Okay, welcome to the Big Scuba Podcast. My name is Dan Abbott. I'm an underwater cinematographer based in Mallorca in the Mediterranean. And I'm looking forward to sharing uh, a little bit about my passion for the ocean with you all. Hello and welcome back to the Big Scuba Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, this is the Big Scuba Podcast episode 103. If you downloaded this for the first time, welcome and thank you. And uh, as you probably just heard, there's two of us. So my name is Ian. <laughs> my name is Gemma. And we're both divers and uh, we like to chat about diving and fun underwater and watery uh, worlds. And we like to talk to people who are of the diving and watery world. Yeah, of, from all backgrounds. This one's called Save the Med, as a bit of a hint of who's coming up later on this episode. We've got a th- few things to run through. Uh, we've got a bit of news, we've got mm-hmm. a bit of fun bit of news and uh, what we've been up to and obviously talking to our guest. Yes, you'll be in the middle like a uh, sandwich. A little bit of an advert as well and uh, yeah, things like that. It's been a, uh, I can't believe it's a week gone already. I oh, know, this time last week. It seems oh, yeah. like a day ago. Yeah, we uh, were recording on Saturday um, and today we've already spoke to Another really great guest who yes. will be coming, coming to your ears in a few weeks' time. Yeah, he was all the way in the Philippines. Yeah. So it's Saturday evening then. Yeah, he had a really nice view, didn't he, behind him? Pretty tranquil, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're in the UK, we're on the east coast of the UK, and it's uh, a wintry scene, it's about two degrees out there. Oh, it's no uh, snow, it was a bit frosty a bit, this morning. a bit warmer than that, I guess, now, but it's, uh, yeah, we're in the winter, and... Um, Especially on our coast, it's a little it's diving. It's not particularly great on our coast at this time of the year. No, um, it was. Um, but we have our inland waters. We do. And uh, people on the south coast and maybe in Scotland up north, you know, they, they can get some good visibility still this time yeah. of year. Yeah. All we can do on our coast is jump in the sea for a swim, and we saw the swimmers out this morning. So uh, yeah. Crazy. Crazy people. Crazy. <laughs> You know, I feel cold getting in with my thermals on yeah, in the dry must, suit. They didn't have um, wetsuits on. They were in their swimmers. And there was frost on the ground. Yes, so see for soul lower stuff. Well done, you. Yeah, well done. Uh, more brave than what I am. I was, at, I was uh, sweating at CrossFit this morning, so I was having a, a good old workout. That's, my, uh, that's what I've been up to this week. Yeah. Yeah, well, and this morning I was doing my park run. Oh, yeah, how did that go? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I struggled a bit with a dodgy, hoppy, dodgy hip, 34 minutes. Yeah, that's wrong. It's okay. Can only get better. Well, exactly. You've got to leave yourself a little something to uh, aim for on the next one. Yes, I just need a better right leg at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Moving on swiftly. Uh, what's been going on with the Coast Guard this week? Well, yes, so no call-outs. Okay. No, but we had training night on Monday, so we ended up on Lowestoft Beach in the Rock Armour. Really? Do you want to be doing that at night? Well, no, it was dark. So <laughs> we were finding a uh, mannequin, so a lifelike child mannequin, right. and um, yeah, well, stretched them off. Cover it. Yeah, oh, well, right, we had cool. to splint their leg and then stretch them, caterpillar stretcher, 
off the rock armor. Oh, okay. Cool. And then we had another person pretending they're going to jump off the bridge. So that was another scenario. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you listen to this and you're thinking about what we're going on about, Gemma is a, a paid-up member of the Coast Guard. Not paid up, volunteer. I know. But <laughs> you are a member of the Coast Guard. A member of the, yes, government ag- agency. Yes. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, look up the website and you can find out all about how you can volunteer with the Coast Guard. Yeah, it's fun. a fun thing to do. Yeah. Uh, last Saturday we had a party at our Christmas we did. party at the uh, Crystal, with Crystal Sea Scuba yeah. of Norwich. Um, we got had, out of our gym gear for a change. Yeah, <laughs> they had their Christmas party and we went along and they had a really great night. Yeah, nice food and yeah. yeah. Thanks to Chris and Polly for uh, putting that on. It's a yearly event and we didn't have it last year because obviously yeah. COVID. But, um, you had a bit of a dance, didn't you? I did, a bit of a... Cut some shapes on the dance floor. <laughs> Has been there. They call me the bungee hot stepper for nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was a good night. Caught up with a lot of people we haven't seen for a while. Yeah, it's nice to see some faces we haven't seen for yeah. a long, long time. Yeah, so uh, so that was really great. And um, hopefully, might even be diving um, over Christmas. Will That's be good. the plan if the weather allows. It. Yeah. So uh, if you are diving uh, over the next quarter two or three weeks uh, over the, the Christmas or as some people regard it holiday season the festive holiday season you know um, let us know let us know where you're diving and what you're up to that would be always good that would be good to uh, to know but yeah we're hoping to uh, get a dive in or um, two or three dives in mm, over yeah. Christmas really be good it's been over a month now since it's been well just done well you're hoping to get to 50 dives aren't you, by the end of the year yeah I'm not sure whether that will work got 45 so yeah. I don't think we can do five dives in a day but no you can get five dives no, no. So, you'll get, but I'll be closer to 50 by the end of the year yeah as long as the weather's alright all, all you know obviously the weather can be a bit rough this time of year here but yeah, um, yeah I think you'll get three in yeah yeah they don't need to be long long dives do they um, just a... no the water temperature is going to be about eight yeah eight degrees maybe ten if we're lucky um, so for our US friends it's probably going to be what 60s just say cold yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be chilly so definitely definitely unfortunately won't be having my 03 semi dry on for, no no so but it'd be good if we can get it in the water just for get a little bit wet yeah yeah, yeah. it will so that'd be it it's also some really fun news um, this week and I did share it on our Facebook um, if anyone's seen it, if they've been keeping up with the news, and um, there's been some really fun news about there's some they found these noises. Have you seen this about these noises? Well, you mentioned it, and yeah, the yeah. noise is very um, well. It's encouraging. Yeah, so they've been hearing. Um, there's a guy called Tim Lamont mm-hmm. uh, from the University of Exeter. Oh, that's good. He's from our way. Yeah, and uh, he's been out in Indonesia. They're doing sort of doing a project out there on the reefs, and they've discovered about all these whoops and bangs and grumbles and all sorts. It's not of your stuff. stomach, then. No, not my stomach. <laughs> Make all sorts of bizarre noises. Listen. Amazing. Yeah. 
So I wonder what they're saying. Yeah, it's like, well, it sounds like frogs, but that's good because it means it's alive, doesn't it? It is amazing. And um, I remember, uh, you know, when you, when you just, I was just thinking back to some of my dives in the, uh, in the sea and, and you kind of, you hear all sorts of noises, don't you? Well, you've said you've heard dolphins. I remember hearing, yeah, a dolphin hotel. Mm. And I um, remember hearing dolphins, but I couldn't see it. They must have been a, a while away. You could hear the noises. And um, and you just hear the noise, don't you? Unfortunately, you do hear noises of boats, which kind of ruins it a bit. Yeah. But you do hear some, gr- some weird and wonderful, just noises of the sea. Well, it's a bit like diving in Stony Cove. All you hear is kind of your bubbles. It's yeah. not silent, is it? Yeah. It's, yeah, it must be amazing for like, um, I suppose there's people listening here who are um, closed circuit um, divers and they obviously don't get the sound of bubbles. So they, yeah. they'll hear a lot more, probably different noises. They might hear their own breathing. Yeah. yeah. But again, yeah, they're in a silent. Didn't a guest say that? They were going to play, play the Jaws film, weren't they? They played it to someone. But anyway, that's yeah. we're not saying sharks are... No, so, um, yeah, but I thought it's, it's really good. It's really good that they've um, that Tim Lamont and his team have, um, have found that, really. I thought that was... Uh, if, if anyone's listening, they haven't... Um, it's on most of the news at the moment, uh, yeah. websites, you can still find it. Bit of cheery news. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So uh, any cheery news is good news. It is, yeah. Especially at these sort of weird and wonderful times that we we having again, um, but yeah, I thought that that was quite good. Yeah, we'll hopefully maybe have Tim on as a guest at some point. Yeah. In the future. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, what to? Um, we love our happy bottles. We do. Yes. You know, and now's a good time to tell you about our our friends over at Happy Bottles. If you if you're looking <laughs> for a flask, and you're thinking, hey, you know, what should I buy? The other half for Christmas. Great. Yeah, it's a great gift idea. Yeah, or even you've got a child, you know, yeah. for school. They're lovely, um, bright colours. All sorts of colours. Yeah. yeah, and you know, if that's anything to encourage a little one to have a bottle they like and to drink, yeah, that's going the right way. Yeah, using single plastics, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and they keep bottles. You'll drink hot. Twelve hours and uh, cold, uh, cold drinks, cold for twenty-four. 24. Yeah. So, uh, and right now you can use the promotional code Big Scuba and you'll save 20% off your purchase price. Yeah, 20% is worth doing. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, I think they go up to 500 mil for yeah, a They do now and they come with, you can add you can get a handle. A handle. Sorts, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, have a look at that. Happybottle.com and uh, it's H A P I. Yeah, H A P I bottles. Bottle. Yeah, and we've, we've tested our happy bottles and we're happy customers. We did take them down to the stone guard, didn't we? Well, you did. I, I didn't d- see I that. T- I took it down. And, um, yeah, the, unfortunately, the video didn't come out. <laughs> but a bit annoying. top side, on the surface, they're perfect. Yeah, yeah, and it survived going down 20 metres to the stone guard. So yeah. it was absolutely fine. Yeah, good. Okay, right. Um just want to mention one last thing as well is our back phone. Um, we've not mentioned that for a we while. We haven't mentioned that for a little while, no, because we've been busy with one thing or another. And next week will be our Christmas 
episode. Uh, episode. Yeah, it'll be the last one before year. we break up for the Christmas period. It is. We're going to have a little bit of a break. It's been a, it's been a very busy year. It's been a really good year. Consistent, it? yes. Yeah, but we are going to take um, a break, um, probably for two to three weeks. Yeah. Um, over the Christmas jollies, gives a chance to uh, restock and um, <laughs> get pre- get prepared for ready. next year. Yeah, we've got some plans in place for next year already. Yeah, we've had a really good meeting already this week um, with a, a partner, a partner, and. Um, present partner who we're looking to carry on and do some stuff with next week next next year yeah um so that's going to be really good look at there'll be more news about that when when we can um but yeah the, you know uh, we are going to take a bit of a break for two or three weeks mm-hmm. that's always good um got some stuff to do over the course some admin yes we'll be posting on social media still so we'll be reminding you of all those great episodes you can go back to and listen yeah yeah and uh, so that'd be really good. But what we thought would be really nice is uh, if you're listening to send in on uh, WhatsApp your Christmas messages for anyone if they're divers. Um, I don't have to be a diver, but if you no. want, if they're listening, if you know they listen to this and you want us to play a little hello shout out for Christmas or New Year, um, do that. Send it to us, and that number is plus forty four seven eight. One zero double o five nine two four. There we go. So let's do that number again. So plus forty four seven eight one zero double o five nine two four. Well done. So you can leave a voice message on WhatsApp would be ideal, and then we can plop it into the next episode and yep. actually hear you talking. That'd be really good. So uh, let's have them. Let's know where you're listening from. That'd be really good. Let's see who's the furthest away from Bungie, shall we? Yeah, let's see if, yeah, how many um, countries we can yeah, touch. So that'd be really cool. So uh, let's have your messages and uh, let us know where you're listening and uh, what, you, what you, are you diving over Christmas? Who's diving Christmas Day? Yeah, and any message that you want to put out there to all of our listeners for the new year of 2022? Yeah, that'd be really cool. Right, okay, so coming up, on this episode, we are speaking to Dan Abbott from Save the Med. Yep, Save the Med Foundation. He is. And uh, he is based in Majorca. Where the water, isn't there a saying? Um, the water in Majorca. Yeah, you're talking about Spain. <laughs> raining, the rain in <laughs> no, there's, Spain there's fa- falls mainly on the plane. There's That's a saying about uh, Majorca, isn't there? Is there? Yeah, I'm sure know. there is. Anyway. Dan... Dan goes down the shark man. Uh, he's big into his sharks. He loves sharks. sharks. Yes. He's very big into doing what he can about um, making sure sharks in the area and in the med are being looked after. Yep. It's, uh, he even had a shark hoodie on when we spoke to him, he which did. was yeah very unique. Uh, go to Save the Med to um, look that up. It's a non for profit organisation. Um, and he talks a lot about regeneration. Mm. Now, in the pod, in the later in the episode, you. We talk about conservation, but he actually gives a good reason why he's more for. He's not. He's not against conservation, but he, they're more about regeneration yes. of reefs and things. And he explains why regeneration is really as important as conservation. Yeah, and he talks about marine protected areas. Yeah, you know, getting the locals on side. Yeah. So it's really good. Yeah. So he does, and he talks about that. So. Um, um, that's 
good conversation. So I think let's fun. sit back and uh, have a listen. Yeah, talk to Dan Abbott in Mallorca. Yeah. Uh, Dan Abbott, welcome to the Big Scuba podcast. Online is myself and Gemma. And uh, we want to say thank you very much for joining us today on the Big Scuba and um, giving us your time. Now, you're well known for taking some great video work of some uh, the large marine predators and also uh, cinema work above land as well. Now, tell us. How did you get into diving? What got you? Who's to blame? Who's the person that said, right, this diving life, give it a go? Um, I became a scuba diver because there was a trip going to see some sharks that I had to be on and it was leaving in three days and I had to make sure I wasn't the person left behind. Cool. (laughs) Um, I was doing an internship in South Africa and um, as part of the internship, they take you on dive trips. And we were based in Mossel Bay, but the dive was in Durban, or just off of Durban, Alawal Shoal. Uh, you may have come across it. And uh, yeah, the trip was leaving at the weekend, and uh, there was three or four days before the trip left, and everyone else who was there as an intern was already a scuba diver. Uh, oh, well, it was me and two others, actually, that went. And so the three of us decided we couldn't be left behind um, when all these guys go and swim with sharks. So I did my scuba course purely with the intention of going and diving with sharks, because I'd not been underwater with them um, up, up until that point. There's but, a crash yeah, course. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, which South Africa are quite good at. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously you've got a thing for sharks and we can see that for our listeners, you're sitting there talking to us in this white hoodie that is absolutely just covered with every single shark there is known to man. Almost, yes. <laughs> Not uh, quite 530-something. Uh, it's, it's kind of covered with <laughs> sharks, isn't it? So, uh, great. That's a great hoodie. And uh, got, a big, got a great white on the front there as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a white shark and a basking shark kind of taking up most of the space. Yeah, yeah we'll have to take a photo and, uh, and uh, share that when it comes yeah. to the time. That's, that's a great hoodie. So, um, you're, basically, your first dives then were with sharks. Yeah, yeah. My first scuba dive, well, you do your, of course, you do your open... Uh, sea dives as part of the course and that was done just in a small um, marine reserve in South Africa in Mossel Bay and there was um, just fish and kind of groupers and things for that one and then yeah I think my third dive it was that we did in Alawal Shoal which is a a fairly um, I wouldn't say advanced but it's it's not it's not always the easiest of conditions but the time that we were there was was beautiful and um, yeah so the dives three and four were with some beautiful oceanic black tips and uh, raggies, ragged two sharks, sand tigers, yeah. depending on which part of the world you're from. So you grew up in South Africa? No, I, I did an internship there in um, 2014 right. um, with a cage diving company, a great white shark okay. cage diving company. And I did that because I had traveled to South Africa about six, seven months before that. And that was the first time I'd seen a shark, uh, a great white. And I was only there on kind of holiday by myself, doing a bit of sightseeing type thing. And uh, seeing the shark basically, um, yeah, kind of changed my mindset on what's important in life. And uh, then found, well, tried to find ways to get involved in working with sharks and kind of figuring out the industry a little bit. Yeah. And got myself back out there to do this internship uh, for two months. At the end of the two months, they gave me a job because I'd 
I'd made sure I left. I didn't leave without a job, basically. Uh, they made me their um, conservation and media manager. So I worked out there for 2015. I was back up there 2017, 2019. Um, so that was kind of my intro to sharks was uh, helping people on the cage diving boat understand the animal a little bit better. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about personalities and shark behavior and kind of the things to for clients to look out for more than just here's a great white shark making a lunge at a tuna head a, a little bit more detail about why the animal is behaving the way that it does and why no two animals uh, two individual white sharks are going to behave in the same way and things yeah. like that um, and then that was my introduction to underwater filming uh, it was just with a gopro to begin with mm. but it was more at that stage about how you piece a story together how you get a sequence or thinking more about composition or how you're interviewing someone to make a compelling story, which um, of course, looking back now, I would say are far more valuable tools to have than knowing how to use a big camera that kind of comes later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my introduction. Yeah. Yeah. So prior to that, had you had any interest in the underwater world before this kind of connection that you made? To I, only with the sharks. I mean, the, mm. I, I'm not, um, I got into scuba diving because it was the only way I was going to be able to dive with sharks yeah. um, or be with them underwater. So yeah, everything that I kind of did at that stage was because it would take me to a new level of being around these predators that I've been obsessed with since I was tiny. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of the tools of how you make it happen. That was, mm. that was what diving was to me at that point. Yeah. I that you was, um, you're trying to, to teach uh, the tourists more about actually the the sharks, you know, about what they're going to see rather than them just pay the money, they get that experience and then nothing's learned. Yeah. It's, In it, fact, and that would, and that would be quite easy. Lost out. Yeah. And that would be quite easy to do. And, and there are many operators that that is probably all they're really there for. Yeah. Um, take the money and, you know, you, you'll get a good experience, of course. You'll see great white sharks, but then that potentially would be it. Mm. And in fact, when I started as an intern at, with this company, they weren't doing this sort of stuff. And that was one of the reasons I think they probably ended up um, paying me uh, a job by the, by the end of it, because I had gone to the owner and said, we probably should be doing more with, these, with this captive audience <laughs> that we have every day in our office. Instead of just teaching them how to put a life jacket on, what if we could tell them more about the individuals that we're seeing and, and more about that sort of thing? Yeah. And so that then developed into a, a full 10 minute conservation talk, which they still run every trip to this day. And uh, it's yeah to give the clients a little bit more of an experience and a little bit more background to the history of the white shark in South Africa and yeah. the conservation status and, and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of tourism with a conscience, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, if, if all we're going to do is just look at these animals and then nothing's learned the only people that lose are the animals at the end of, of the day because we don't then learn you know we're not teaching anybody to how to actually why we've got to give them respect um you know and that's why then you know fishing will continue and shark yeah. fishing will continue I, I think as well that's cage diving on. is cage diving is already a fairly controversial topic in, mm. in a lot of shark <laughs> tourism and things like that so the more you can do to make it um to, to add more pros versus cons, I think is, is really, really important. And that's uh, why I tried to change as much as I could while I was there. And I think with cage diving as well, I mean, that it's, it's not a perfect industry. There's lots of things about it that aren't um, ideal, but if you can 
if you can add more value to people seeing that shark on the educational side of things and if you can inform people that if you're paying money to go cage diving with a shark what you're effectively doing as far as the south african government is concerned is you're making that animal really valuable alive yeah and in many cases that's probably the only reason why they're still protected or still yeah. swimming around in south african waters because it's really easy to catch a gray white shark if you know how to catch sharks they're a really easy animal to catch yeah but by making it more valuable alive by having more tourists involved on the boats then that's a more that's more of a reason for the government to keep the protection levels there it is a fine balance because you have this balance elsewhere like at the galapagos islands where um you know there's a lot of thought behind leaving that whole area alone to the mammals and you know keep it a reserve and protect it but the trouble is if nobody goes there one nobody knows what's going on two if tourism don't go there the, the fishing boats will be going there mm. and nobody will see what goes on so it's kind of that um you know it's the best of the worst scenario isn't it you know yeah. you, you don't really want to do it but at the end of the day it's better people go to see them than it is to go catch them absolutely and a lot of the people that now run these cage diving boats and not just shark uh, great white shark cage diving but other shark tourism around the world a lot of the best operators are ex-shark fishermen because yeah. they know the you spots know. to go to they know the animals better than anyone and uh, and it's just a, a fairly basic if you tot it up on a calculator, you can work out, you can make more money by taking people out to see them than by sticking and hooking them. And that's, that's it, really. How did, you, Sorry, God, Jim. how did your journey continue from South Africa? Yeah, I, I, once you kind of get into this small world of sharks and conservation, you, mm. you meet more or less everybody very quickly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, through my time out there, I was meeting people, like-minded people, and people in a similar sort of stage of their journey as me, people much further along on their journey as, as, than me. And you just got to start chatting, and then you end up thinking about more projects you could do together. Um, I ended up filming my first feature film was with two friends, who one I met in South Africa, um about the shark nets um which is about uh, the shark nets that are put out on the kozunu natal coast board uh, coastline um and then yeah from there just carried on trying to get myself out on as many uh, to as many places as i could where i knew where i knew there were sharks and to work more on my skills as a camera person um most of that was self-funded for the first three years or so four years maybe um and then started getting a few jobs where they were kind of paying and then that kind of then leads to other things. And yeah, two and a half, well, two years ago, just over two years ago, this NGO here in Mallorca needed someone that could film underwater, topside, edit, film interviews, film with drones, all that sort of thing. And um, yeah, and then so I moved here to, to continue doing that. Yeah, I see you as a, uh, a drone pilot. Um, for, you know, what's that? How do you feel about using them underwater? Because are they going to? Do you think that's the way forward? That's the way it's going to go? Um, it depends on the job. I mean, we do actually have an underwater drone at Save the Med, um, but the usage of it is very much only really used for, um, I would say, when you want to map out a habitat or look at the terrain of the bottom of the sea that is beyond you know 40 meters or so yeah maybe a 90 meter 100 meter kind of habitat then you would send down an rov and have a little look and that's pretty much it we wouldn't really use it for anything that's 
within the space where a, a manual operator, a cameraman could work because you've got far more flexibility and usability yeah. with the footage when you've got someone that's actually kind of working it, uh, in, the, in real time. Yeah. But for, yeah, for mapping out habitats, very yeah. useful. I take it from that you're not tech qualified then? For the underwater drones or the... For yourself, for, for diving? Uh, no, I'm not, a, I'm not a tech diver, no. Um, my deepest depth, I think, for filming stuff was maybe 44 meters. Um, yeah. And I haven't really mm -hmm. kind of pursued the, the tech side of it just yet. Um, to be honest, it's not something I'd probably be wanting to try and push at the moment anyway. Mm. Um, when I'm, yeah, I mean, most of the work that I do in terms of filming the wildlife uh, tends to be between zero meters and 20 meters. Yeah. Light and visibility yes. and all that sort of stuff, the kind of species, all that sort of stuff seems to just by default be at that top part of yeah. the water anyway. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where yeah, most of my, my work goes. Mm. So do you still log your dives? No. <laughs> no. Is that really bad? <laughs> well, it's always a mixed bag when we ask uh, people that come on the podcast. Some yeah. are religiously still doing it and then others, yeah, just kind of get to a point and that is it. Not... I lost count. I could probably, if I really sat down, I could probably go back through every footage because I've there hasn't been many dives, maybe a handful maybe in the last five years where I haven't had a camera. Yeah. So I would have filmed something on every dive. So if I actually did go through back all the hard drives, I could see each date and probably work it out. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I haven't been writing it down. So how many dives would you say you've done? Where, I've, uh, my last guess was about yeah. 450. Really? Wow. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. So what's a typical, well, first of all, what is Save the Med? Um, if For people that haven't heard of it, what, what do sure. they stand yeah. for? Yeah, we're, we're um, a marine-based uh, NGO based in Mallorca. Um, Save the Med has been around for, uh, well, uh, called Save the Med about three years, but it was called something else before that. And we work on basically two main sort of areas. One is reducing plastic pollution, which takes on a whole load of different forms of other projects. Uh, we even run a consultancy side business to help companies um, make better choices with the plastic that they're using. Um, and there's a whole load of other things that go on, like beach cleans and, and schools projects. And then on the other side is um, marine regeneration. And we're very particular about using the word regeneration, not conservation, because conservation means keeping it as it is. And we don't want to do that, because if we did that, the Mediterranean would be a mess for the rest of time. Okay. We want to regenerate the Mediterranean. Um, so it's uh, and that takes on a whole load of other kind of micro projects. The biggest one and most ambitious at the moment is uh, we're in the process of creating a new marine protected area, which will stretch um, most of the north and eastern coastline of the island. Um, at the moment, there are a few marine protected areas around the island, but they're very small. And they're mostly what would, you would call fisheries MPAs, meaning that the MPA benefits the fishermen mm. um, and they're managed more for fisheries. Um, so we're at the moment putting together a, a, a proposal for a new kind of MPA. In fact, we're not even going to be calling it an MPA, a marine protected area, because just in, in, in that word, the fishermen are like, no, 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 no. Like we have to try and be clever and find other ways. Uh, get one side. Get yeah, I think the, the name we might have come up with, I heard it today. In fact, it was um, like area under regeneration 
area under a regeneration or something like that. You know how you've got like area under construction when people are yeah. building houses. It's this is a area under regeneration. Yeah, I, I like that. It's a good way of looking at it actually. Yeah, it's true. Gone. Well, I was going to say, what's the general state, in your opinion, or of the Mediterranean in your sort of area that you cover? Yeah, it's it's in a bad way. I mean, there's there's not many. Um, it's it, the sea has been has been pretty badly treated um, for a long, long time. And, and part of the problem of that is there's so many countries that border the Mediterranean that mm. all have their own ways of doing things. Um, yeah, there's a lot of plastic pollution, and in most parts around Mallorca, you'll struggle to find too much life in terms of fish. But having said that, there are areas where the management has been good, in particular the area that I live in, which is called El Toro. We have a marine protected area just here, and it's been protected for about nine years now, and it's spectacular. Oh. Uh, some of the best dives I've done anywhere in the world, and especially at the end of summer when the bait balls are all here and you've got lots of predators um, flying into these bait balls and things. So there is signs that it comes back um, pretty mm -hmm. quickly once you are able to, to manage it. And then the other marine life that um, we have been able to work with these last few years has been very spectacular as well. Things like um, spine-tailed devil rays and sperm whales, dolphins, of course, uh, tuna, bluefin tuna. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so there is life here. It's just slightly few and far between. Yeah. Well, I suppose Mediterranean is quite a contained sea, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a very, very deep sea as well, which... Um, mm -hmm. which also changes a lot of the habitats and things yeah yeah it must be really interesting yeah yeah visibility, it has wise, visibility wise would that be on par with the red sea generally then um yeah i would i would say so yeah a good day here was maybe 30 meters um a bad day maybe well a bad day would be maybe 10 meters yeah maybe slightly less it's very very blue mm. um, and which is spectacular when you're kind of looking at it from a drone or something like that. Um, but the reason it's so blue is because there's not much of that kind of greeny nutrients that you get in, in seas where there's kind of all that kind of algae and, um, and plankton going on. And so it's, it is an extremely blue sea, which when you are diving uh, kind of deeper than maybe 10 meters or so, can be very disorientating. Mm. And it's, it's one of the things that we are very on top of um, is making sure that you are always aware of your depth, especially if you're filming something, for example, like Atlantic bluefin tuna, and you're surrounded by 500 huge, you know, the size of a car uh, fish <laughs> swimming <laughs> around you. It's quite easy to get distracted <laughs> yeah. from your from your dive computer. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is. It can be quite disorientating just how blue um, the water is. Mm. Um, but yeah. Because a couple of years ago, um, I saw that you you made the news, didn't you? The CNN news, and uh, yeah, you, you made the news all around the world because you captured this huge, massive, great big jellyfish. Yeah, tell us about that. How how did that come about? Sure, that, that was actually that was in the UK. That was in Cornwall, um, in Falmouth. They have a dive site called Silver Steps. I don't know whether you guys have been to Falmouth. No. Um, Neither had I for diving up until that point. In fact, that was the first scuba dive I've had, I'd ever done in the UK. Yeah. Um, it was at the end of a week of filming all around the island, all around the UK, um, uh, documenting the marine life that we have in British waters, or UK waters. So we'd been to the Farne Islands to film the seals. Yeah. Um, 
and Bempton Cliffs for the seabirds. We'd been up to the Hebrides uh, filming uh, minke whales and common dolphins. And we had planned on the last day to do a blue shark trip out of um, somewhere around uh, Cornwall. Um, but the weather offshore wasn't any good. So instead we went to Falmouth and decided just to rent some dive kit um, because the plan had been to make a video at the end of every single day, which we had been doing uh, for yeah. seven days in a row, which made for some very long days, but very entertaining. Um, and we needed a video for the end of, we needed a video, you know, to kind of showcase something. So yeah. we decided just to get in the water off of Falmouth and make a short video about diving there. There's kelp there and things. And it's, yeah, it's quite, it's quite nice. Mm. And um, everything went wrong on the dive, actually. Uh, Lizzie, who's the <laughs> presenter, Lizzie Daly, um, had a new mask, which kept flooding. And if you, if you look at any videos or photos of that jellyfish with Lizzie in, you'll see her basically doing this, pressing her mask <laughs> against her face to stop the thing flooding up. Um, about 20 minutes before that, she dropped my GoPro into the kelp forest, oh, no. which I then had to go down and find with her basically staying on the surface, pointing to the location she <laughs> thought she'd lost it and me like just you know, blindly looking around and I ended up finding it again. So by that point, we kind of thought, well, let's just see what we can get and get out of here because nothing's going our way. And Lizzie actually stayed on the surface because she was so fed up with her mask. And I was filming some reeds and some other smaller jellyfish and things like that. And then this big bowel jellyfish turned up and I had no idea what it was at the time. So this just generally happens. You probably find this as well when you're talking to other cameramen. You don't really process the whole what what the heck is that. You're more thinking about, oh, cool, I could probably get some shots of this. Maybe if I just <laughs> maneuver myself this side, I can get a nice wide shot. And then this is the kind of this is where your mind goes first. Like the lighting's quite good. Yeah, we're pretty shallow here. All right. Well, maybe if I just like that's that was the first five minutes really. Um, and Lizzie then started kicking herself down and pressing her mask <laughs> against her face just to get alongside it. And most of what I shot was video because we were making a video. Yeah. And uh, I very, very rarely take photos, in fact. Um, but she was next to it and it was kind of not moving very fast, of course. Uh, it was a jellyfish. And so I just toggled my settings around on my camera. Click, 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 photo, photo, photo. And then back to video again. And, and I carried on shooting. And then, yeah, at the end of the dive, we were both like super thrilled that we'd Actually, we were thrilled that we'd gotten something to put into our little video for the end of the day because we hadn't got something. And we were like, yes, there's our story for our, <laughs> our little video for the end of today's filming. Um, and then, yeah, that video went out that night. The local BBC got hold of us the next day and we did a little interview with them standing on the cliffs in, uh, in Falmouth. Um, and then the main BBC picked it up shortly after that. And yeah, the, the next three or four days was just insane. Um, yeah, it went all the way around the world. I don't know how many how many people shared it in the end. It was uh, it was getting it was getting chaotic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was at the end of a, a filming trip. And yeah, as I say, the photo seemed to be what what caught most people's attention. It's massive thing. Is that it's stunning? Is it normal that they get? As I mean, big they as they do get big. I mean, I learned all about Jack Barrel jellyfish after I took that photo <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, they do get pretty big. Um, maybe that size is quite unusual but from other photos i've seen since they, they can get pretty sizable um but yeah that one was i don't know how that one had, had gotten that large um, and lizzie is more or less the same size of it uh, when you see in the photo mm. she is pretty much next to it yeah um 
So uh, yeah, big, big, big jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, and it's great that it's UK water as well because it just that shows. Was, yeah, that was the best part, of course. Yeah, mm. I, I was doing news interviews afterwards, and it was it felt I felt so proud just that like everyone in the world was noticing UK wildlife, and that was the point. That was that was why we were making the whole series of videos in the first place was to draw yeah. attention to to the wildlife that we have in the uk which i'm a big advocate for and uh yeah that was probably the most special part about it yeah, yeah. we are lucky um you know because we get hit by the different currents and you know different parts of the, the island and then you know different weather as well and mm. uh I th we are lucky with what we do have around us and uh, especially on that south coast that seemed to yeah. be uh, a place where you can dive on the coast nearly all round, all year round there yeah so it's, it's quite lucky there um that must be amazing to see something like that hopefully one day yeah yeah just keep it keep your eye out yeah, yeah you never know what's around the corner <laughs> absolutely we certainly didn't <laughs> so going back to save the med so what's the sort of current projects you're working on at the moment, the main focus is the MPAs, um, mm. but we also have, I'd say, I mean, we are an overly ambitious NGO. We have um, 13 or 12 full-time members of staff, and each of us is working about three different jobs. Mm. Um, but uh, that's, that's how it is. I'm sure that's how every, every NGO is. Um, we also are running projects about getting the community involved in helping with their local MPAs. Uh, we tag mantas or devil rays they call them mantas in spanish um and uh, we also have a couple of projects with sharks which i head up uh, one is in collaboration with another group here called shark med which involves a surface bruv a baited remote underwater video right. and it's basically a wind surfboard that's been modified to have a gopro hanging off of one end and a washing machine drum filled with bait whatever we have at the time uh, at the moment we're using whale and we leave it out there for several days usually four or five days and the camera is recording all the time and we're basically monitoring seeing what comes what's what turns mm. up and um, but more importantly the condition that the animal is in um we started our our bruv back in december and typically we would get maybe one shark per week which is which seems about about normal for here mm. which is a little bit alarming because i mean in the uk you can do a blue shark tour off of cornwall and see four or five sharks in a few hours yeah so compared with that it's um it's a little bit concerning um and 50 percent of the sharks that do come to the bruv have hooks or the uh, or evidence of hooks hook, uh, hook damage somewhere around their mouth or on their gills and mm. um, so yeah so that's one of the the shark based projects that uh, that we're we're running at the moment and yeah, that's fairly ongoing. Did you say that's called Shark Med? Shark Med, yeah. Have to look that up. They're based here as well. They're a, they're a small NGO. There's about three or four of them. And we work really well with them, really closely with them. They're a fantastic group of people. And they build the bruvs. And, and then we, uh, yeah, help them out with... We actually have one of their bruvs. We, we bought one from them so that we could help them with their projects and, and we could deploy it on our own terms and when we have we have our boat out and things like that yeah 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 it must be surprising for people because there's probably people listening to this that don't think there are sharks in the mediterranean yeah i mean it's a tough one that i i was in a school yesterday morning and they were asking because we were showing them videos 360 projections that we have and they were asking where's the sharks where's the sharks and 
it's like the hardest thing for me to like tell these kids that I wish I wish we could show you them. I, I wish we could show you sharks on a 3D projector, but we don't have it because there's so few of them. It's, mm. it, it's for someone that's like as obsessed as I am and previously up until this point, I wouldn't get in the water if there wasn't the possibility of seeing a shark, you know? It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the main thing that I, I was driving towards. And uh, yeah, it's a sad situation, but that's the reality of it. And there are sharks here they're just very, very few and far between. And also the species uh, in particular, the ones that we're kind of trying to attract on the brave are very pelagic species like mm. the blue sharks and, and things like that. So they're, they're not in one location. They're always moving around. Yeah. Um, so just in general, they're, they're quite widespread. Yeah. Anyway. There's a few um, great whites out there. Um, they've got their own Twitter account, isn't there? Have you heard of them? Uh, what, in the Mediterranean? Uh, no, well, they're these. Oh, are, oh you mean not. <laughs> don't scare people off. Well, they, they've well, actually got um, Twitter, their own Twitter accounts. And is this like Catherine? Look, and... Well, there's um, Helen. Yeah. Helen the Shark, and it's got 30, 31,000 followers on Twitter. So, Helen is actually a shark that we named Speckles. Really? Uh, in South Africa. Yeah, I've, I've met Helen or Speckles many, numerous times. Well, uh, she was tagged by Osearch, um, which is a whole nother topic of conversation. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the local name for, for Helen Speckles because she has a large black marking just below her eye. But she's now a huge shark. She's about four and a half meters. Wow. Um, but she was a very charismatic, energetic shark. She usually was in charge around the boat whenever there was a number of sharks around. If Speckles was there, she's the one that's the boss. Being a female as well also is the reason for that. It tends to be what happens with great white sharks. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, we were just looking at the depth of the Mediterranean. She said it was quite a deep mm. sea. So I think it was 5,000 metres. Yeah, something like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, quite, it's quite a deep sea, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I suppose, you know, when you think of that depth and all that marine life that's kind of in those depths that we can't reach, it is pretty amazing. Yeah, there's probably a lot more going on here than we probably realise. Um, we know that there are deep sea sharks here, um, mm. the six the six gills, which um, would be living down at probably about that sort of 800, 900 metre mark. And the fact that there's sperm whales that are, that are resident here also says a lot for the prey that lives yeah. here as well, because of course we all know sperm whales are feeding on squid down in uh, deep water. So yeah. there must be enough squid at least to support a resident population of sperm whales. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's some interesting interesting stuff down deep here. Yeah, and it's really incredible because people obviously go on holiday and they're paddling in the Mediterranean Sea, but to think you know the sperm whales and these amazing sharks and different habitats out there, it's quite incredible. Yeah, I was I've been quite surprised as to the the kind of marine life that there is here. I certainly wasn't expecting perhaps to see a lot of the things that I had seen like the tuna and the mantas and um and things like that has has been really special uh, it, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of work to find but um and usually quite far offshore as well it's not usually the kind of thing that you'll see just dancing past the coastline mm -hmm. when you're yeah. standing on the beach um but uh, yeah it's with a bit of patience and and the right team you yeah some, some pretty amazing things out there you'll be able to start ticking your hoodie off won't you <laughs> i've seen that one and tick that one yeah Maybe, yeah. Have you started working? I've seen a lot of these. Yeah, there's still a few. Um, 
I haven't yet seen on this hoodie, but yeah. So have you, um, where else have you dived around the world? Um, so most of the stuff has been South Africa, um, mm -hmm. also Bahamas and Florida. Uh, I have done some stuff in the Red Sea, uh, which is also very beautiful, of course. Um, a small amount in the Philippines. Um, but I would say South Africa was, I mean, that was where I did my first dive course. And then when I went back again to do my dive master, um, that was all done in South Africa. So um, I would say I probably dive before I moved here, of course, I probably dived in South Africa more than anywhere else. Mm. It's a very changing environment as well, similar to, uh, I guess, probably a lot of places. But yeah, you can have really nice visibility on one day and then the next day it's all all turned on its head. Um, and yeah, some very interesting underwater um, habitats and, and the wildlife as well. And to do, I remember doing on my rescue course, we did, um, when we were doing the skills sitting on the bottom, the visibility was awful. Uh, like, you know, you can't see your hand in front of you kind of thing. And the dive site that we were doing it on was about, I would say 800 to 900 meters away from Seal Island where the great white sharks are feeding. And, wow. um, it's an interesting, <laughs> it's interesting choice. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> interesting choice of dive site when you're when you're like, uh, well, you kind of in the end you kind of just think, well, if they're gonna see me, <laughs> like, there's nothing I'm gonna be able to do about it. Um, but yeah, so that was that was very entertaining. Mm. Yeah, pretty awesome. Thank you. Thing about my dive master trainer, and we do it in a um, a very murky lake here in right. New York. Okay. Um, the most he got to worry about there is probably either what's in the water or the perch that going around. And they're about six six inches if if you're lucky. Right, right. That's about as scary as it gets. But yeah. that's like pea soup. You can't see your hand in front of your right. mask at all. But you go there, I'm assuming, because you love the feeling of diving. Is that right? Uh, well, we go there uh, particularly because the visibility is bad. Um, and if you can find uh, an unconscious diver in those type of uh, waters, you'll be able to find one and, you know, rescue them anywhere. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so that we go there purposely because it's, you know, very bad visibility um, all the time. Really. Yeah. So Sorry. if you can do it at the extreme level, then you can do yes. it in a much yeah. easier thing. Yeah. Yes. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so you also mentioned the Bahamas. So have you had any dealings with Christina Zanato and her shop? No, I haven't met her yet. Um, mm. She works in a in a slightly different part of the Bahamas. Whenever I've gone, uh, it's always been Bimini and Tiger Beach. I'm going back there actually in January. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, she she's kind of a bit further around north, I think, from from that area. Um, so yeah, no, we haven't had any direct uh, direct contact yet. Yeah. Yeah, we've had her on the podcast a couple of times. So. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, interesting character, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Lots of sharks. Yeah. <laughs> and you're an uh, ambassador for Neptunic as well. Yes, they they are actually, um, they they sponsored, well, they, they provided us with, with a few things for the first film that I, that I mentioned earlier that I, I started working on, which was in South Africa. And I still have some of the stuff um, from that shoot, in fact. And I ended up just, I mean, I love their, their brand and their logo and their clothing anyway. So yeah. for me, I was just, I was enjoying wearing their clothing. And, um, and because of this world of social media and Instagram and, and stuff, once you start 
tagging people a few times, they might start then picking, picking up on what you're doing, you're on their radar. And uh, eventually we kind of developed this sort of relationship and, and whenever I now do something where I uh, know there's gonna be a camera on me perhaps, I usually would wear their clothing and tag them and it gives them good uh, good exposure mm. yeah so yeah it's it's a, and I, I really love their, their what they stand for they're a great brand they've sponsored a lot of large productions as well um so yeah when i did my ted talk for example i made sure it was a neptunic top that i was <laughs> wearing for that just because it's a nice little yeah uh, nod to them and uh, say thanks for all the, the help they give you yeah, that's good. And it gets their name out there as well, doesn't it? And it's the exposure yeah, exactly. for shops and yeah, everything. That's a really cool logo. I mean, it I, is, I love yeah. the sort of simplicity and just classic kind of iconic shape of a shark. That's what yeah, it you know what it is when, yeah, we've got some exactly. tops and yeah, you know what it is when you see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, oh, well, so that's really good. So if, um, so what have you got for the future? Have you got any future projects coming up for... Um, well, at, as, yes, is the short answer. I mean, at Save the Med, we are, as I say, incredibly overly ambitious. And some of the plans and projects that we have lined up for next um, year and this coming spring as well um, is, uh, yeah, I mean, over the top ambitious. But that's what we do. That We're always like that. And some of the things that we want to be able to achieve filming wise are, as, are the kinds of things that has never been done before in the Mediterranean. Um, for example, one of those involves trying to film Atlantic bluefin tuna spawning, mm. which to our knowledge only happens on one occasion and probably at night, almost definitely at night. Um, so that from a filming challenging side of things is about as hard as it could possibly get. Um, mm. Filming them in the daytime is, qu is quite difficult already. You've got to try and find them first, which can take several hours and then get to them as quickly as possible and then get in the water with them. And then they might stay with you for anything between two minutes to the longest this year was um, 21 minutes, I think. Um, but to try and film a spawning activity is a totally different ball game. And we did have some success actually this summer just gone or just before the summer, because we were trying to film the dusky grouper uh, spawning, which they do in certain areas in the marine protected areas. Again, it happens at a very specific, a very specific window of time and only between kind of certain dates of the year. And mm. um, there is a group of expert that lives on the island and she came diving with us and we were able to just basically observe for hours and hours and hours in one, one location, watching them moving around. And I did just as the sun was going down, like the classic kind of example, low light, everything's, sun's going down, like everything's getting dark. <laughs> and that's when it happened. And I did capture it on film. It's not the best, shot I've ever got but you can see that it's you can see what it is um so yeah things like that I mean we're always trying to trying to push it in terms of um what we can achieve for not just filming but also the level of conservation we can uh, and regeneration we can achieve um we work with a lot of scientists here that are the experts in their field um so yeah that's that's going to be what what comes next and um, for mm. me personally as well I'm going as I mentioned back to the Bahamas to Get some more footage of the tigers and the hammers there um and then yeah back back here for a very busy spring and summer next year yeah. that sounds great yeah yeah really good yeah so we ask our guests a number of questions set questions always the same um to whoever we're talking to so the first question we ask if you could take a liverboard anywhere in the world where would you go and why 
Um, I would go to Antarctica. Oh, wow, good choice. I don't know which Liverpool company is going to take me. <laughs> I'll make one up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'd go to Antarctica. It's probably, uh, yeah, I think you'd need more than a liverboard, wouldn't you, really, if you were going to go there? But, yeah, I mean, the reason is uh, that's... When I was a kid, there was a few species that I was always drawing, and I've seen all of them that I was drawing, except for one. There's great white sharks, orcas, the greater blackback gull was one of my favourites as a kid, <laughs> just like a, a gull, and leopard seals. And uh, leopard seals is the one that I haven't seen yet. So that would be that would be where I'd go. Yeah, that's. I think that's the first one we've had. Yeah, yeah. So. most people probably Maldives, Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right, right. Yeah. No, I like that. It's good. You're going to see some good stuff there as well, aren't you? Right out there, that'd be awesome. Um, so, if you could take three people diving, uh, can be from history, can be members of your family, uh, anyone you like, who would you take with you and why? Ooh. You guys are nailing it with the difficult questions. Mm. Um, I would take, well, some of my favorite people are already divers, so that's probably helpful. You can still take, you can still take them, yeah. 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 I mean, my partner, Ali, is probably first on the list because she also loves sharks, she also loves diving, and she also loves filming with cameras, so that's a fairly easy one. <laughs> and that keeps you in the good books. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Most um, of them. I would love to take my parents, actually. That's probably a very cliche answer. I did do a try dive with my dad many years ago, just in like a swimming pool to the local dive center when I used to live in the UK. And he did really well. Like he never did it again, but he, it was just to kind of show him what diving's like, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I would probably want to take my, my parents. I think it would blow their minds. Yeah. yeah. And, but he, you couldn't entice them back in the water again after the try dive? I think they, I mean, they do a lot of other stuff. I think like they're very keen cyclists and, and things. And yeah. you know, it's, I think it's just one of those things where it was nice to experience it one time, but as a, as a passion and as a hobby, it's probably not, yeah. um, not so much on that list. Yeah, it's good because it gives them an insight into your kind of. Well, exactly. They, they, yeah, they, they get, they see enough <laughs> through me. <laughs> They're probably sick of it already. <laughs> Here's another picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. Um, and then lastly, the the final question is: if you had a billboard that you could put out there to the whole world, so you could put a statement on it, pictures, a video, image what would you put on this billboard to get a message to the rest of the world and why? Jeez. Um, man. I mean, right now, I think, I mean, my answer to that would probably change every few months, but right now I think um, it would have to be something along the lines of um, a blue shark um, I've been really, it's been, it's really um, bothering me how kind of nonchalant the whole blue shark demise is handled in Spain. Mm. It's the most overfished shark on the planet. And yet Spain is one of the, the highest, the one of the, the countries that ships more than anyone else in the world. So just something along the lines of maybe a, a picture of a blue shark saying, um, I don't, I don't even know what the words would be at this point. Maybe this is why I'm not such a good scientist, but um something that would try and get people to see that this is the animal that is in stocking up their freezers mm. not not just not just some fish this isn't just some fish this is 
a spectacular predator. Mm. But I feel the same way about tuna as well. I mean, that would be the same thing with yes, yes. tuna is just yeah. as spectacular. But yeah. it would be the blue shark, I think. So if people want to find out more about your organisation, Save the Med, where is the best place for them to find out more about that and also find out more about you? Sure, yeah. I mean, Save the Med, we're pretty active on social media. Um, uh, my role as media manager is creating a lot of the video and photo content that we end up publishing anyway. Um, so Save the Med on Instagram and Facebook and also savethemed.org gives you a bit of a broader view of our projects and, and what we do and where we do it. Um, and then me, I, I guess I'm probably more active on Instagram these days. So that would be Sharkman Dan. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, but I think you might be a bit disappointed if you tried to follow me on YouTube. I'm not particularly active on there. <laughs> um, but yeah, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram is all Sharkman Dan. Um, so yeah. That's a good name, that's Sharkman Dan. I like that. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I, it's a weird one. I never gave that, that name to myself because it feels a bit pompous, perhaps, and a bit up yourself because there's a lot of shark people out there and I certainly don't regard myself as one of the top ones, but I was doing so many schools talks and I think the teachers just got confused about who I was and so they were just introducing me as shark, the shark man and yeah. you know, Sharkman Dan just kind of started becoming a regular introduction. And so I think one of my friends said, well, why don't you just change your name to that? So I thought, fine. <laughs> well, it's great, you know, to be doing that with schools as well and to have that name, Sharkman. Yeah. That's like what children yeah. remember. It's, and it's an easy way to figure out what you're going to be hearing about, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And <laughs> There's if they no can confusion. Make, <laughs> yeah, and if they can make more connection and show more, like, awareness of, you know, what's in our oceans as well through that, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a lot of the school stuff when I was back in the UK for, for several years. It's Sharks is a very easy animal to get kids excited about. You find actually more often than not, they're already excited about sharks before I've even said anything. And uh, I think that's probably the case with most people, actually. Like when you were kids, sharks, dinosaurs, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And eventually we all we, we kind of gradually lose that interest in those sorts of animals, except for obviously those few of us. But um, it's, yeah, I think kids already are fascinated by those sorts of predators and those sorts of animals. And yeah, yeah that, that's hearing how they feel about sharks is definitely very empowering, and very encouraging for um, what's going to happen next. Well, they are the last of the dinosaurs, really, aren't they? The great oh, man. They're, yeah, they're, the sharks have been around way longer than a lot of things, trees. Yeah. And, and yeah, they predate dinosaurs. Even 400 million years is a long it's time amazing, to be in the ocean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly, yeah, need to be respectful of them and, yeah, protect them. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, I did a post not that long ago, which was kind of just a little bit baffling to myself more than anything else, which is they've, they have been here for 400 million years, and yet 90% of, of them have gone in the last 50 years. And that's like, yeah, when you like really start thinking about it, it's, yeah. it's really terrifying. But that's the level of destruction. It's shocking because man has been on... Man has been on the planet for such little time, but we've done so much damage yeah, in this very short yeah, period of time that, in, in fact, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, particularly, that we've done so much uh, harm in such a fraction of the time when, you know, when you look at, you know, things like sharks have been around for so long. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's pretty terrifying yeah. how, how capable we are of this level of destruction, yeah. Mm. yeah.
well, hopefully people listening to this will kind of go away and think or think they might want to learn a bit more about charts because, you know, it's an incredible That's Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, great. Really, really good. So, yeah, thank you very much for your time and yeah, your inspiration as well. Oh, no, no problem at all. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Okay, welcome back. And I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, listening to Dan talking to us. And uh, that was really good. I want to say thank you to Dan coming on and sparing us a bit of time to telling us all about Save the Med. Get a chance, have a look at his website and uh, maybe become a supporter as well. So uh, if you care about sharks and um, maybe, you know, you, uh, you've been holidaying in the Mediterranean at some stage, then uh, that might be a, a good reason to give some support. But anyway, go to the website and uh, send a message and say, hey, I listened to you on the big scoop. That was really good. Thank you very yeah. much. I thought it was really interesting and knowing how deep the Mediterranean is and they've got like resident sperm whales. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Surprising how deep that is, actually, because you, you hear about some of these other oceans. But you don't think that the Mediterranean is all that deep, but there isn't. Very mm -hmm. deep. Yeah. Uh, places to it. Actually. Yeah. So super interesting. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, that, that was really good. And uh, it's always good to hear about where scuba diving can take something. Well, yeah, he obviously has taken it. It's taken him on a journey. He's fascinated by sharks and the J word. The J word. Journey. Everyone's journey. on journey. A juicy journey. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's not Britain's Got Talent. This is the Big School Podcast. Everyone's <laughs> still on a journey. Yeah. So you look where diving can go, and it opens doors up, and yeah. It does, and uh, that's the that's why we love diving. It's a social sport. So. Yeah, look at all the amazing people we get to talk to. Yeah, so that's that one. Um, so next week is going to be us rattling on about Christmas and New Year, talking mm -hmm. about plans for next year. Um, hopefully we'll have some messages from people. So we'll be, um, you know, to play and that'll be part of the show. Uh, won't be particularly a long one next week. It'll be a bit of a short one, I guess. Depends how many messages we get. Well, that's very true. That's very true. So, um, but that'd be really good to have some interaction. We love a bit of interaction. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, obviously the number was at the beginning of the episode. So give the bat phone a ring, WhatsApp us, leave a voice recording. Yeah, that'd be really good. So, Jen, what's the number for the bat phone? So the number for the bat phone is plus four four seven eight one zero zero zero. Five nine two four perfect. There we go. Oh, done. Uh, so make sure you got that number stored, and uh, that number will be coming up again during the year next year. So, uh, we always, it's always good to have messages and uh, hear from our listener. Yep, so know where you dive in over Christmas. Yes, there'll be people all around the world. Hopefully, so they will. we're in 108 countries, which is amazing. Which is, I find that. Totally amazing. And it would stop to amaze me, really. Well, we'll do another check on Monday and see where we're up to. Yeah. Um, now's a good time just to remind people, um, you know, we can't do this without your support. And, yeah, we, you know, we do get some awesome support off the diving industry. And um, But what is brilliant is if someone can leave us a review. That is, you know, that's top banana. So um, wherever you listen to us on your uh, 
podcast platform mm-hmm. um, just leave us a review let us know what you think um, or send us a message you can email us contact us on social media as well as another way um, but leave us a, a review and telling your dive buddy about us is a free way you can support us spread the word yeah spread the love spread that super love there is a patron system i think that's gonna be one of the things that we look at as well over the winter over the course of the christmas break um but you know uh yeah there is a free way and these episodes are free and will remain free so uh, there we go yeah and they're full episodes they're not cut down versions everybody gets the same yeah they are so there we go don't forget happy bottles if you're after a flask if you've got after a, a last minute quick present idea for somebody uh go to happy bottles get them a get me um one of them cheeky little flasks they're really good colorful flasks and they work really well lots of yeah. colors go to happybottle.com and uh, save said 20 percent by putting the big scuba in and also we've got hats and t-shirts and things like that and we'll be talking about more about that as uh, over the next sort of coming weeks and months yeah all exciting stuff yeah we well, have good meetings but anyway so I think I, I think that's it. I think we covered every, everything. Yeah, just want to say thank you for listening and thank you for downloading the podcast. Certainly is. Until then, until next week, that was the Big Scuba Podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We are not affiliated with any agency or organisation and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. If you wish to make any comments about this episode, then please do contact us via email or our social media platforms that are listed in the episode show notes. Alternatively, you can send us a message or voice message via WhatsApp on the Big Scuba Bat Phone. And the number is plus four four seven eight one zero 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 five nine two four. We will always respond promptly. And thank you once again for downloading this episode.